Well, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Great words, right? Perfect words for this morning and for our time. Thank you to our worship team leading us. And uh, I trust you've been blessed already uh, as the Lord is... um, as the Lord is blessing you, even again as we have come to bless Him and to and to um, to praise Him and to worship Him, but it is good to be here together this morning. You know, um, uh, we have a theme for this year for Trinity Church, and and the theme is a clear vision of hope 2020. We're kind of playing off that idea that it is the year 2020, and we know that that is a designation of perfect sight, right? Having 2020 vision, and so we take that cue from 1 Peter 3.15, which simply tells us that um, that we are to make the Lord, right, the Lord Jesus, Lord of our hearts in all things, but also to always be ready to give an account for the hope that is within us. In church, that is the mark of a Christian, isn't it? It is the mark of a believer that even in the middle of the storm we can sing. And even, right, even um, even during times such as this, that we can raise a hallelujah and give Him glory. And so um, that's why we are here today. But even in the middle of that, the fact that that is our theme this year, bringing clarity of vision, uh, we will do that this morning as we open God's Word. You know, we've been going through a series in First John, um, but... You know, I just I wanted to, to do something a little different today, and I think it would be appropriate. But what we're going to look at, church, is we're going to look at a psalm. And you know, the Psalter, as the group of psalms is called, the, the Psalter is just filled with incredible words of hope. But even in the midst of many psalms that are psalms of lament and psalms of, of hurt and distress and anguish, there are psalms that lead us towards joy. There are psalms that remind us about trust and trusting in the Lord. And so this morning, I I wanted to look at Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is a psalm that has been, um, it has been a a source of hope and a source of calm during times of uncertainty for thousands of years, church. And it's a psalm that is even uh, appropriate for us today. I would like to pray before we get into opening God's Word, but if you're following along in your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 91, and in a, in a few minutes it'll be up on the screen. But can we just pray together first, and praying that, um, that God would um, remind us of His goodness, remind us to bring us to His Word and remind us that um, that we are to always be praying, but especially a time such as this. So let's pray together, church, if you would. Father, we bow our heads and we close our eyes in holy reverence to you as we take a moment to not only pray, but to say thank you for your continued protection and provision. But Lord Jesus We do not ask that you protect us, for you are powerful and merciful. And may our prayer be this, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed from Psalm 57. You are Jehovah Shalom, you are the Lord of all peace. 
We remember this morning, Father, those living in the areas of significant outbreak of this virus and also those currently in isolation. May they know your presence in their turmoil and your patience in their waiting. You are the God of all comfort, and we pray for those who may be grieving because of loss due to this virus or because of uncertainty. May may they know your fellowship in their suffering, your comfort during their loss, and your hope in their time of despair. We pray for our friends and family who perhaps are most vulnerable, those that are already sick, our elderly brothers and sisters, we pray an extra measure of protection, that your hand of, of protection and healing would be on them. For you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We also pray, Father, for all the medical professionals around the country and around this world dealing daily with the intense added pressures of this crisis. Grant them resilience in their weariness, discernment in diagnoses, and compassion as they care for us. You are the God of all wisdom, and so we pray for all those in leadership and in public service around the country at all levels. Grant them wisdom, strengthen their faith, and sustain them during this trying time. And finally, Father, we thank you for your continued protection and provision, and for your very presence. We pray in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and for your glory, Father. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been caught in a storm? Have you ever been outside, and maybe you were camping, or you were just coming out of the store or something, and all of a sudden there was an unexpected storm that sort of caught you off guard? Do you ever get caught in a storm and need to take refuge immediately? Just think about maybe a time in your life when that happened and where you went and what you did and maybe somebody that helped you. I remember I was about 12 years old and every summer my family and I would go down to um, go down to the Jersey Shore and we would hang out down in uh, Seaside and this was back in the day. And um, it's funny, I can make that joke here because we live by the shore, and so you guys kind of know, right? But, um, and we would go every summer, and, and I went with um, my brother, and he was a lot older, but had two cousins of mine who are the same age, and we would go and love to hang out on the beach. And you know, you're 12, you're about that age when you think you can do things on your own, and you're safe and protected, and it's all good. So myself and my two cousins we went up to the beach and we were renting a house it was only two houses from the beach and so our parents let us go and we went up and we were there and we were just hanging out on the beach and all of a sudden one of those storms came upon us and it was a storm that you know that you just didn't expect we didn't know it wasn't in the forecast and all of a sudden so quickly the skies got dark and the winds picked up it started torrential rain and you know when you're on the beach and the winds pick up boy it gets pretty bad with all the sand and so we were 12 and we didn't know what to do, so we huddled together, and all of a sudden we looked, and there came our fathers running down the beach to get us. And they came, and they grabbed us, and I remember my dad 
uh, putting his arm around me and he brought a blanket and my uncle brought a blanket for my cousins and they wrapped us in the blankets and put us under their arms and, and quickly walked us back to the, to the house. And, um, and the, I just remember, I can remember the wind just blowing the sand on my face, but I had the blanket on and I did feel protected in that time of the storm. Did you ever get caught up in something like that? You know, my mother-in-law tells a story of when my wife was young, she was four or five. My wife was born in, in Honduras, and, and my mother-in-law was there alone with my, my, my wife. She was, I guess, four at the time, and, and a few of the siblings, and my father-in-law was already in America securing a job and a place to live. And this was in the mid-70s, and there was a large hurricane that hit Central America called Hurricane Fifi. And uh, it was devastating to that area of the world, especially to Honduras. And so my mother-in-law woke up in the middle of the night to my, my now brother-in-law, so my wife's brother, and they were so young at the time. He was maybe two, and, and he was just saying, Mama, agua, Mama, agua. And so she thought maybe he was thirsty, and she got out of bed, and the water was already up to her knees. You see, the hurricane had brought flooding, and she didn't know because it happened so quickly in the middle of the night. So she quickly grabbed my wife, who was the oldest, and, and, and the other siblings, and grabbed them and put them under her arm, around her arms, and was wading through the water in the house outside. And they found their way to a, an abandoned factory just in town, and there were some other people that had huddled. And for that night, that factory was a temporary refuge for them. From the storm that was blowing outside. <clears throat> and they slept on <clears throat> the cold floor, excuse me, and, and didn't know what was going to happen the next day and what it looked like. And, and so they were there temporarily, but God had provided a shelter for them, albeit just a temporary shelter from the storm that night, from the darkness and the destruction going on all around them. And you know, it reminds me that God says that He is our refuge. And He is our protection. And so I want to to read this psalm to you, Psalm 91, because, you see, God might provide temporary places of shelter for us in the time of a storm, but you know what God tells us in this beautiful Psalm 91, that That He doesn't want to just offer us temporary shelter, but a permanent refuge. A safe place. A place with Him in His presence. He calls it a dwelling place. And this Psalm 91 has been a great comfort for all of God's children, as I said, for millennia. And it has proven to be such a comfort of God's protection during times of peril and uncertainty, trials and difficulties and the testings of life. And I think we could use some words of comfort from God this morning. You agree with me? This psalm is also used and appropriate for our time of the year during the Lenten season, um, remembering uh, our Lord's temptations and suffering and death Because even as I'll show you in a moment, that Satan quoted from Psalm 91 to Jesus. You remember that in the temptations of the desert? That Satan actually quoted scripture back to Jesus. And he took it from Psalm 91. I'd like to read that psalm now. And here's what it says. Psalm 91. 
Listen to these words, these words carefully, church. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to my love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Church, as I always like to say and and remind myself and, and all of you that when we read Scripture, we need to keep it in context. When you read anything, even a psalm, let us keep it in context. That church, I think this will also help us to, to see the beauty even deeper in this psalm. Because Psalm 91 comes right after Psalm 90. That makes sense, doesn't it? But it also comes right before Psalm 92. See, I did the math there and I figured it kind of made sense. But here's why it's important, church. Psalm 90, if you ever read it, it's a psalm written by Moses. I believe it's the only psalm written by Moses in, in the whole Psalter. In Psalm 90 is really a psalm of lament. There's many psalms that are psalms of lament where the writer, whether it's David or Moses in this case, is, is, is talking to God about hurt, about things that have been happening in his life and around him, the difficulties, the trials, and how God has even been judging the wicked. And of course, we know Moses dealt with that a lot about the disobedience of the people of Israel around him that he was trying to lead to faithfulness. And so Psalm 90 is really a psalm of lament. And Psalm 92 is a beautiful psalm of joy, of praises to God. But Psalm 91 is right in the middle. And here's why I say we put it in context. Because Psalm 91 that we just read, it really is all about trust. We see beautiful words about God being our refuge and taking shelter in Him and resting and abiding in the shadow of His wings. But it's all 
in the, in the midst of us trusting him. Church, that's the question for this morning. Do we trust our God? Do we trust our God in the midst of anything, of any storm or trial? It even uses the word pestilence. Are we willing to trust God? See, the idea here is, church, you read Psalm 90 and you understand that there are words of lament and it's about the times we come to God when we are struggling and downhearted and downcast. We want to get from the hurt to the joy, don't we? It's sort of our life journey. We want to go from those times and places of hurt to the joy. We want to go from Psalm 90 to Psalm 92, but how do we get there? We go through a psalm like Psalm 91, which reminds us to trust. How do we go from the hurt to the joy? It's through trusting the Lord Jesus. So as we read Psalm 91, I want to kind of focus on just the beginning and the end. It's a beautiful 16 verses. I encourage you to read it, you know, read it often. Read it often this week and and meditate on it. It's beautiful words. But remember, this psalm is about trusting Him. To go from that psalm of lament to that psalm of joy, how do we get there? It's by trust. At the very beginning of this beautiful psalm, it says this. I'm going to reread the first four verses. Read it slowly. Can we just kind of meditate on this for a moment? And as I reread it, think of certain words that stick out to you. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Now, maybe you read the NIV, or you have the NASB, the King James, and there'll be different words, but it's a beautiful, uh, some beautiful poetry there. But we get the picture, the word picture that's being given to us. But can I, can I point out some key words here, just in these first four verses? Do you notice in verse 1, there is this idea of dwelling and abiding? You see that? He who dwells will abide. See that? He who dwells will abide. And even in our study of 1 John that we're going through, we've talked about those words. Abiding means trusting. It means staying. It means sticking close to God. Dwelling, church, it means living. It means living with Him. Dwelling means to stay. It's almost like to say to cuddle up to our Abba Father, our Heavenly Father, and stay there. So the word dwell is important. It doesn't just say he who kind of is there, he who kind of steps into, or he who even visits. It's like he who dwells. Do you see that? He who dwells will abide. Really important words that we focus on. Dwelling and abiding. But then also notice, after the dwelling and abiding, he says words of shelter and shadow. He who dwells in the shelter. Right? We've all taken shelter. 
from times. I remember being out on a golf course many times. You know they have storm shelters uh, uh, throughout a golf course? A couple of different holes where there's a storm shelter. It's kind of just like a usually a little covered building. And so if there's lightning, you really can't play golf. You're not supposed to because you don't want to be like swinging a big you know, metal stick right in the air while you're playing golf. So they have shelters. And so they'll have an alarm that'll sound if there's lightning in the area. And you're supposed to put down your clubs and go into the shelter. So we all understand what a shelter is. It's a place of refuge, a place of escaping of protection from danger, right? But he says, dwell and abide. Then he says, shelter and shadow. See the words there? That that is what God is providing for us. If we dwell and if we abide, there will be that promise of shelter and in the shadows. Now we know through 1 John we've talked about the negative side of shadows. That we don't want to hang out in the shadows but walk in the light. That's the title of our, our series right in 1 John. But here the shadow is good. Why? Because who is casting the shadow? It's not the world casting the shadow. This is our God. And that's how big he is that he can cast a shadow over all of his children. See? It's casting that beautiful shadow where you can escape the searing heat of persecution and rest in the cooling and comforting shadow of our God. So not only dwelling and abiding in the shelter and the shadow, but but he says that the psalmist says of the Most High and the Almighty. The Most High simply means there's nobody higher. Is that right? There's nobody higher. There's nobody greater than our God. So Why would, church, why would we seek shelter and comfort and peace? Why would we dwell or abide anywhere else than in Him? Because He is the Most High. Why would we just settle for the protection of anything this world can offer when we have a God who is not only a high God, He's the Most High God. Amen? But also it says the Almighty. Do you know what that word means? It's not only that He's all-powerful. He's the most powerful. His power is limitless. His power is limitless. I mean, it's mighty. We know what the word mighty is. He's almighty. He's not somewhat mighty. He is almighty. So why would we rely upon the power and provision of anything the world can offer when we have the God who is not only the Most High, but also Almighty. In the times of weakness, we need His strength and power. And He is limitless in His power. And then there's other words, church, like deliver and verse 3. He will deliver you. Verse 4, He will cover you. You see that these are things that God will do for you. It's a beautiful picture of our God, our provider and protector, reaching out to us. See, He is inviting us to come and dwell and abide, but He says, I will do that for you. Like, like when my dad and my uncle came to that beach and they came and they grabbed us. See, they came and brought us into that shelter. They covered us and provided. God says, it says here in verse 3, He will deliver you. In verse 4, He will cover you. See that? These words are important. When you meditate on God's Word, it's good sometimes to just focus on a couple of select words or phrases. 
So we dwell and abide in the shelter and the shadow of the Almighty and the Most High because He will deliver and cover beautiful words of comfort for us. But also, there's this word that comes up twice here, at least refuge. He is our refuge and our fortress. Why do you need a fortress? To protect you from danger. Did you ever play as a kid? Maybe you're playing, uh, you know, uh, army soldiers or you're playing, what, you know, whatever it is. And you, you build a fortress. I remember we would often play. Remember when it used to snow in the winters? Remember that? As a kid, we all kind of say that. When I was a kid, there was 20 feet of snow, right? But I remember that as a kid. And, and, and we would go to the, the parking lot of this local um, factory. I live right near these train tracks. And we would go and because the plows would, you know, they would plow the parking lot. And there would be huge mounds of snow. And then we would have a massive snowball fights. But we would have teams and you would create a fortress, right? And you would kind of dig in and hunker down. you create a fortress to protect you from the incoming, from the snowball, see? And so the idea is that we need a refuge and He can be our fortress. He can be our wall of protection, see? But also it tells us in these first four verses, it says that He will protect us under His wings. It says in verse 4, under His wings you will find refuge. It gives a beautiful picture of God with wings. It doesn't say he has wings. It gives a picture, a word picture of God with almost like this. It's like, it's like a mother hen protecting her chicks under her wing because the chicks can't do it themselves. And so a mother hen or a bird will take its wings and, and protect. It casts a shadow. It creates a refuge, for a fortress from danger. And it's a beautiful picture that that is what God does for us. So when everything is going on in our lives, when there is chaos and uncertainty, when you keep turning on the news and and every hour there's something and you just can't believe what's going on and how rapidly things are changing and you start to feel some anxiety and you go to the store and there's no more toilet paper and you think it must be the end of the world. And so we know that this is a serious situation, and so it's good to make a little light of it, especially things like that. But yeah, we do take it seriously. But church, it's not a time to be anxious or to worry. We can have concern, and we can act out of an abundance of caution, and that is wise and prudent in times like this. But God's Word tells us, do not fear, right? Isaiah 41, do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be afraid. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the picture. When, when everything else is falling down around us, don't we want to just be right in the middle of God's righteous right hand, just holding us up, right? And so in His presence is a safe place of protection and provision. Remember that, church, that It's in His very presence that there is a safe place of protection and provision. A refuge is a safe place, a place of safety and protection from danger. It's a a place where we can breathe and rest from the running. A place to breathe and a place to catch your breath from all of the running and the chaos. 
But in verse 2 of these, these first few verses, there's the key word, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Right? That's the key. Remember, it's, it's about how do you go from the hurt to the joy? It's by trusting. But church, trusting means being vulnerable with God. It means being transparent with God. It's about recognizing what's going on, having due and proper concern, but taking all of your worries and anxieties and fears to Him and being vulnerable with God and saying, God, th- this is the way I feel and this is real for me. Can you please provide for me? You are, God, my refuge, my fortress. Can I just kind of hang out under your wings? But church, also remember this. It takes total surrender in trusting to the Holy Spirit and the will of God for our lives. That we surrender everything, all of our own attempts, and we just surrender it all to Him. But also notice this, he doesn't just invite us in for a temporary hangout. He says, come and dwell. Dwell means that we take up permanent residence. It's like moving from a temporary place of living to that permanent home that you're going to have forever. See? He doesn't just offer a visit and say, okay, be on your way. He says, come and dwell, come and live, come and abide, be with me forever. It's not just a temporary place we go during times like this. It should be our lifestyle as believers that we always dwell in the shadow of His wings. It's where we can always go. So during times of uncertainty and, and, and stress, and, and times of trials and tribulation, that we just even easier, we go to His Word, we remember Psalm 91, And we thank Him for being our constant and consistent fortress and refuge. Now, I want to mention this as well. This is important. We certainly don't ever want to take God's Word, including Psalm 91, out of context. Because it certainly seems, doesn't it, just on the surface as we read this, that God is promising smooth sailing, doesn't it? It seems like he says, hey, it, everything's going to be great. He says, no worries about anything. He goes, uh, you know, no evil will ever befall you. No plague will come near your tent, right? The angels will make sure you don't, you, you know, you don't fall. He goes, no fear, nothing. It seems like, wow, God is promising smooth sailing and perfection. But we know there's plenty of scriptures, plenty of stories. We know plenty of characters from the, from the Bible, Moses and Joseph and and Paul and others, that God allows to go through trials and tribulations. So there's no way this psalm is saying, God will, God guarantees you will not get the coronavirus. Right? He's not saying that. So what is he saying, church? That's why I keep going back to trust. He says, if you trust me, I will provide and protect, even during the difficulties. Now, why also do we not want to take it uh, out of context? Because that's what our enemy does. And so I mentioned that Satan actually quotes from Psalm 91 uh, to Jesus during the temptation. So you remember that before, um, and we're gonna, I'm going to read a portion in Matthew, but before Jesus began his earthly ministry, God allowed him to be tempted in the desert. You remember that? It's, it's an amazing uh, time. We picture that that, that Satan is taking Jesus around, right, and tempting him. And he's tempting him with things, even the very word of God. But how does, this is important, how does Jesus refute every temptation? With the word of God. 
That's how Jesus resists every temptation of the devil, of God's, of his adversary, is by the word of God. So we should also. But look at, look at the account of this in Matthew 4. It says in Matthew 4, 5 to 7, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him, meaning Jesus, on the pinnacle of the temple. This is one of the temptations. And Satan said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. See, that's the quote from Psalm 91. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So we don't just stand on the top of the temple or the top of the roof and say, I'm just going to jump and the angels are just going to let me just kind of float down easily and I won't even break a bone. See, that's what's happening here. Satan is taking it out of context and trying to use it and abuse it against Jesus. But Jesus simply says, again, you don't put the Lord your God to the test. He's basically saying, that's not what this word of God is for. That's not what Psalm 91 means. See, that's what Jesus is saying. See, he's saying the enemy is trying to distort the Scriptures, and we should avoid that also. But also important to notice that when Satan quotes Psalm 91, I think it's verse 11 and 12, he leaves out a crucial few words. He leaves out the part that says, in all your ways. See, in Psalm 91 it says, he will command the angels concerning you to guard you. And, and then Satan stops there and goes on, Oh, oh and, and um, the, the hands, the angel's hands will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He leaves out the phrase at the end of verse 11, In all your ways. The idea is that it's trusting. If our will is submitted to His will, see? If our will is submitted to His will, then in all of our ways of trusting and obeying and abiding and dwelling, God will offer protection. But see, it's not some magical thing that you just say it and then it happens. The idea is that, see, Satan even purposely left that out, it seems, in all your ways. Meaning all of God's ways are perfect. He knows best. And of course, the enemy left that out. But again, the key word in this psalm is trust. The shelter and the shadow, the refuge, the safe place, it's all found in the trusting church. In the surrendering of our will to His, in the giving up of control to Him, of yielding our pride to humility. That's the beginning of that. I want to kind of look at the last part of the psalm. The last few verses, verses 14 to 16, the end of the psalm, it kind of switches gears. And now, look, it is God speaking to us. See, the, the rest of the psalm, the first 13 verses, it's the psalmist, the one who wrote the psalm, speaking of his experience and his trusting of God. Now, God has been a refuge and a shelter for him. But the last few verses, it is, look, it's so beautiful. It is God speaking to us. Let me reread this for us, verses 14 to 16. Because he, remember, this is God speaking to us now about us. So because he holds fast to me, so that he would be us, and the me is God. See that? 
So God is saying, because he, because my children hold fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. But when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. Listen to the, I just want to pick out some of these words. What a beautiful last three verses. Here is what God is saying to us today. Because we hold fast to Him in love, which means because we abide, because we trust, because we dwell, He will deliver us. See that? This is God's promise to us. He goes, you're going to dwell with me? I'll be your shelter, and here's what I'm going to do for you, my beloved children. I will deliver. I will protect. I will answer. I will be with you. I will rescue. I will honor I will satisfy. Do you love those words? These are words of promise. Deliver, protect, answer, be with, rescue, honor, satisfy. Those are the promises of God. But he says, because they hold fast to me in love, because they know my name, this is what I will do for them. Deliver, protect, answer, be with, rescue, honor, and satisfy with salvation. And I bring it to a close with this. This certainly doesn't mean that God won't allow us to experience danger or difficulty. It kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, if you've been alive at all and experienced any part of life, we know that God allows us to experience difficulties in times of danger. But what does He promise? He promises us His very presence. And in His presence, in the shadow of His wings, is our refuge and our fortress, our shelter in His shadow. As we draw close to Him in love and obedience, He offers this shelter to His children, so will we take it? See, God is our refuge. However, it doesn't mean He'll never lead us and allow us to be in difficult or dangerous situations. Do you remember the story of Jesus and His disciples on the boat? Matthew 8. So when Jesus got in the boat, His disciples followed Him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But He, meaning Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke Him, saying, Save us, Lord! We're perishing! And Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Not just calm, a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Church, Jesus led his disciples into the boat. Let's not miss that. It says Jesus got in the boat. The disciples followed him. Did Jesus not know that there would be a storm? Of course he did. Jesus still got in the boat. But see what the disciples did? They followed him. 
if Jesus is getting in the boat, we can follow him. So they followed him into the boat. And Jesus, of course, knew full well that a violent storm was brewing. He created the storm. The disciples were terrified, but Jesus, their refuge, was fast asleep. Does it mean that Jesus didn't care? No. It meant that his very presence offered peace. His very presence in the boat was a refuge. And they were abiding. They were dwelling. They were with him in a boat. No matter what kind of raging storm was around them, no matter how big the waves, Jesus was in the boat with them. When we are in God's will, when we're in the boat with Him, we can face even the most dangerous situations with confidence because God is with us. They followed Him into the boat. Are you going to follow Him into the boat? Even knowing there may be a storm. Are you willing to be a disciple of Jesus? You're a believer in Him. You have been saved. You have been given salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. But we choose to be disciples, which means followers. Are you willing, church, to follow Him? Are you willing to get into the boat, even knowing that throughout your life's journey, there may be days of smooth sailing. and You may wake up one day, and there might be a storm a-brewing. But regardless, Jesus is with us. There may be rough times in our journey of life. There may be storms. There may be uncertainty. There may be times of distress and anxiety. We may not even always know where the boat is going. When we step into the boat with Jesus, He doesn't plan out the course and map out the course for us, does He? All He says is, just get in the boat. Just get in the boat and come with me. See? Just get in the boat and follow me. Jesus is in the boat. He is our refuge from the storm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Church, will you stand with me? I want to read this psalm one more time. It will be up on the screen. Please stand if you can and... We stand at the, sometimes at the reading of God's Word helps to bring our focus and attention, but would you just one last time in our gathering this morning, just listen to, um, dwell on, meditate upon the Word of God, even pray as you're hearing it read perhaps that God would point out words to you that maybe you missed before. But focus on the beautiful promises of our God, especially the last three verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And then here is his promises to us. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Church, he promises he will do these things for us. What will we do for him? We will worship and praise and trust him forever. Amen? Amen. So let's sing about that now to close our time. 